0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 6th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, in his State of the Union Address, he outlined a goal of four freedoms. Freedom of speech and expression, the freedom of people to worship God in their own way, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. All of those freedoms are being challenged today in ways that perhaps FDR didn't even know in his day. We'll come back to that a little later this morning. Today in 1412, Joan of Arc was born. Today in 1759, big day for George Washington, he married the love of his life, he once called her, Martha Dandridge Custis. They were married in New Kent County, Virginia. Today, in 1912, New Mexico became the 47th state. Today, in 1919, the 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, died in Oyster Bay, New York. He was only 60 years old. Today, in 1945, Herbert Walker Bush married Barbara Pierce. A lot of those guys got married today. Today in 1968, a surgical team at Stanford University School of Medicine in Palo Alto, California, they performed the first U.S. adult heart transplant. They placed the heart of a 43-year-old man in a 54-year-old patient. Didn't work out. The recipient died 15 days later. Today in 1975, the original version of Wheel of Fortune hosted by Chuck Worley and Susan Stafford. It premiered on NBC TV. There's a lot in the news about Jeopardy today, which is a companion to Wheel of Fortune, uh, those programs. Alex Trebek, as you know, on Jeopardy has announced that he has pancreatic cancer. He's is dying outside of a miracle. And um, so both the Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy have been in the news a great deal. Well, Wheel of Fortune, both of them were created by um, by a game show host. Ironically, they've become one of the biggest moneymakers, those two shows, Jeopardy! and Wheel of Fortune, in the history of game shows on television. But anyway, Wheel of Fortune, it was announced in, and it was aired for the first time today on NBC, 1975. Today in 1994, figure skater Nancy Kerrigan She was clubbed on the leg. Remember that? It was in the news a lot. She was a skater, Olympic skater. And, um, it was in Cabo arena in, uh, Detroit. These four guys came up to her. One of them was, uh, the ex husband of Kerrigan's rival, Tanya Hardy, who has a connection to the Northwest. She lived in Vancouver, Washington and Portland. Um, and her ex-husband went to prison along with these other guys for their roles in the attack. Tanya Harding has gone on to be a boxer and a whole bunch of stuff. She kind of stays in the news. Nancy Kerrigan, not so much. I haven't heard much about her over the last few years. But anyway, that event took place in 1994. Today in 2001, Vice President Al Gore presided in his capacity as President of the Senate, over Congress formally certifying that George W. Bush, the winner of the bitterly contested 2000 presidential election, was indeed the president. That had to be a really bad day for Al Gore, presiding over Congress as they confirmed and affirmed that George W. Bush was actually the winner of that election, that Al Gore desperately wanted to win, and to this day feels he did win. They always feel that way. Hillary feels that way as well. Today in 2003, Iraqi President Saddam Hussein, he accused UN inspectors of engaging in, his words, quote, intelligence work instead of searching for suspected nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons in his country. We got a lot to talk about today. I want to uh, get to some of the things that are happening in the news as we speak But I saw this a moment ago this morning. I was just looking at things, and I saw this quote. It's by a newspaper guy. I've never heard of him. His name is Bill White. He lived in the 1850s to 1944, but he he said this, and I thought it was interesting. A little learning is not a dangerous thing to one who does not mistake it for a great deal of learning. How true. It is equally true that an uninformed electorate can be duped, and it will not remain free. We've got to be informed, and that's what we do on this program. I wanted to take a moment just to thank you for your support, because without it, we wouldn't be informing anyone, at least not through this radio program. So thank you for standing with us this past year, and thank you for standing with us this year. This is going to be a historic year in many ways for the church the church of jesus christ the new testament church the christian church it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting and it's going to be an eventful year politically it's going to be unlike anything we have seen in our lifetime i am certain of that it's already off to that so i need your support your prayers not everybody agrees with what we're doing and some push back very strongly we'll see what happens this year but Thank you for your prayer support, and thank you for your financial support so we can pay our bills, keep turning on the microphone every morning, and create this program live. We're not canned. This program was not made several days ago or a week ago, as most Christian programs are or a month or years ago in some cases. It's right now. We're doing it. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98. If you're a new listener, just started listening to the program and you feel pretty good about what we're doing, you feel like you'd like to be a part of it, man, we need you. Particularly if you're in the Seattle area or elsewhere, please stand with us. We need your help. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Well, the head of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee said on Sunday, yesterday, he said he wants the Senate to launch an impeachment trial of President Donald Trump within days, not because he doesn't support the president, but because he does. He said even if that means changing the Senate rules so the chamber can move ahead without receiving the articles of impeachment from the House of Representatives. If you listen to this program or are informed, you know that the it was it was almost embarrassing to see that hearing go forward. And all of the conversation that took place was more more about the feelings that people have toward Trump, President Trump, than any fact that would merit anything like impeachment. I, I suppose that's why Nancy Pelosi is still sitting on those two articles that they came up with and got passed in a partisan way through the House of Representatives. But she won't give the articles to the Senate, which under the present rules precludes the Senate from acting on the impeachment. In other words, it's the trial. And they decide whether he's really impeached or not. And um, it's again, it's unlike anything we've seen before. She is a belligerent old woman who's been around too long, in my opinion. And I would say that even if she were a Republican, but Republicans generally don't act that way. But she is acting... In ways that we have not seen in recent years, certainly not in our lifetime. So that's going on. And Lindsey Graham, who is the head of the U.S. uh, chairman of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, says, we're going to get this thing. We're going to do this and we're going to get this over with. He said nobody in the Senate, the Republicans, he said, they're clear thinking. He said, nobody thinks that the president's done anything that's impeachable. And he said, he knows that the Democrats know that as well. And that's probably why Nancy Pelosi's sitting on these things, because she knows it'll be an embarrassment when the whole world really begins to hear the truth of what really happened in regards to the Ukraine. Graham said yesterday morning, he said, if we don't get the articles this week, Then we will take matters into our own hands and change the rules so we can start the trial and get past this and get to the business of this country. Mitch McConnell, the leader of the, the head of the, the majority leader in the Senate, Republican, he agrees. He said we will change the rules if we have to. They're not going to let Nancy Pelosi hold them, hold them hostage. I commend them for that. That makes me feel better about some of the Republican leadership. Nancy, And speaking of Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, because the we didn't elect enough Republicans to the House of Representatives, so the Democrats seized control of that in the last election. Nancy Pelosi says this morning, in fact, she wrote a letter yesterday to her colleagues in the House of Representatives, and she's saying that she's going to introduce a resolution implying preemptive surrender to Iran. She is deeming that Trump's strike on Soleimani is a war crime. That's going on as we speak. I haven't had time this morning before I went on the air live to really look into this. It'll be in the news today. The news will blow it up, make it a big deal because that's how they want it, that oh Trump now is is going to be found Uh, as uh, as guilty of a war crime. And that'll reverberate from big markets to little markets all across America. And people will say, oh, my, he must have really done something. I mean, this is the most bizarre act that I've ever seen in my life. And I've observed politics as a pastor, a youth pastor in the ministry my entire adult life. I've never seen anything quite like this. But anyway, she wrote this uh, this letter, and she says, Uh, She's going to reveal war power, a war powers resolution that uh, amounts to basically a preemptive surrender to Iran. So and it will block the president and she's accusing him of war crimes and it will block the president from any ongoing hostilities or any ongoing um, strikes like the president did on Friday and took out Soleimani, who is probably the leading terrorist, as far as the guy taking action, in the world, or was. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and about Soleimani, about Iran, and about what's going on in our country. These are very perilous times for the world and for America. In recent years, Iran has become openly adversarial toward America. I was there years ago. They were not adversarial then. The Shah was in power at the time, and they were not adversarial. At least I didn't see any adversary toward America or toward me. But in recent years, America and Israel are threatening to destroy America, calling us the Great Satan. They're threatening to wipe Israel off the map, calling them the Little Satan, U.S. leaders, particularly President Bush and President Obama, have tried to appease them. That's what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do this morning. Obama gave them upwards of a billion dollars It was in cash. It was delivered in an unmarked plane to the Iranian airport. Gave it to the government in the middle of the night on pallets. Really, I'm not overstating that. A nuclear deal that ensured that they would have an atomic bomb within 10 years was also given to them by Obama. Bush was just more silent. He didn't take those kinds of actions, but he didn't do anything either. But appeasement has never worked. Now President Trump has called their bluff and the left has erupted in anger, even some of the people on the conservative side. I like Tucker Carlson. I watch him often on Fox. I do. I've never met him, but I like him. But man, he went off on Friday night on his program, just damning this action that the president has taken calling it the fulfillment of the dream of the neocons. I'm not a neocon, and I think he did the right thing, and millions of Americans think he did the right thing. I totally disagree with Tucker Carlson, and there's a there's a, there's a streak in the conservative community that is taking this tack, and they need not to do that. They need to shut up and support the president. He doesn't need one more enemy from the conservative camp, the never-Trumpers and so on. I was deeply disappointed in Tucker Carlson. He doesn't care, but I care, and it bothers me. I'll keep watching him, but pay attention when you watch people, even people you've come to trust in the media. Just look at everything through the lens of God's Word. God's Word said, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's how our minds are kept pure and clear, by looking at things through the Word of God and being informed, and that's what we try to do on this program every day. And many of you believe we are and support us. We talked about that a moment ago. But again, thank you. As you know by now, President Trump gave the order for our military to take out this Qassem Soleimani. He's the head of was the head of the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard. The drones flew, the precision bombs dropped, and Soleimani is dead. When the U.S. strikes, if we don't put binders or handcuffs on our military, they're really good at what they do. And the military is not a social experiment laboratory to see how many gays and how many women can outclimb men's and outrun them and all of that. That's craziness. Our military was created to protect us from enemies who want to kill us. And somehow we can't seem to get to that truth, that these people... These people want to kill us. They have for ideological reasons, for religious reasons, for political reasons. They hate America. They hate what we stand for. They hate what we are. And there is simply no other way to put it. We're not going to get along with the Iranians, the way the, the, the power structure there, the way they're presently constructed. It just isn't going to happen. And I mean, you don't have to have a PhD to figure that out. Even I can figure it out. And I think most of us know that in America. In fact, Iran has kind of figured it out too. And they're trying to get out of where Trump has put them. A second U.S. strike took out several other terror leaders in Iraq, follow up to the strike on Soleimani. As I said, most clear-minded patriots saw this as a stunning blow to the international terrorism and a reassertion, really, of American might and our will to be free. That's the same will that drove the colonists to separate from the king of England and from England. We want to be free. We want to be safe. But the progressive left is shrieking. They're saying, Trump is taking us to war. Trump is taking us to war. But it's now Trump... Not the Ayatollah Khomeini, the Islamic leader, the final word, who has taken the upper hand. Soleimani was a mastermind terrorist. He's killed people all over the world. He had all these groups working under his authority. And boy, he was a, he was a hard-driving dictator in his own right. That included killing hundreds of Americans, if not Thousands. U.S. presidents have loudly condemned him. None of them have had the courage to do anything about it. In his Islamic world, he was next to Allah, I guess. I mean, he called the shots. For years, Iran has set the rules. It was Iran who set the time and the place of every confrontation. But not anymore. There will be fallout. But people are saying we're going, we're headed into World War III. I don't believe we are, and I'll tell you why. President Trump has conditioned his policies, and I, this is not a defense of Trump. I didn't even start out with the notion of I was going to vote for Trump back in 2016. I had three or four other people that I wanted to be president, and he wasn't one of them. I'll be honest with you. But God, God's ways are higher than our ways. And we need to recognize that sometimes, And a lot of Christians just can't get there. When seven million self-identified evangelicals can march into a a voting booth or sit down at their kitchen table and fill out their, their ballot and mail it in and vote for a Hillary Clinton or a Barack Obama who stands for everything that we say we don't believe in, the sanctity of life marriage between a man and a woman and all the rest of it, something is very wrong with our evangelicalism. The Bible says no to that. Why are we saying yes to it? I don't know. But we are when we vote. If we vote for people who advance the very things that the Bible teaches against and teaches strongly against. So anyway, here we are. It is probably the six or seven million people that voted for Barack and Hillary that are decrying the president in the name of the Lord for taking action on an avowed killer who has said often, along with all the others in leadership, now there's people in Iran who feel very differently. That's not being covered in the news, but there are. There's perhaps millions of people who are glad that President Trump did what he did. But what we hear from there in the leadership is death to America, death to Israel. Wipe Israel off the face of the uh, off the face of the earth. I don't know how we can get behind that kind of thing. So anyway, this is not a defense of Trump, but I think that his maximum pressure campaign against the Iran economy, and that's what he's been calling it, has all but destroyed the economy. It's in shambles. Yet all the economic pressure has been always preceded by an offer to Iran to negotiate a peace treaty. He's never taken that off the table. I've watched very carefully. But Iran won't back off. Their leaders hate America. They hate Israel much more than they love their own people. They love the power that they have, but they don't love their own people. They wouldn't act that way if they did. Last June... Iran's fingerprints were all over two tankers that exploded in the Persian Gulf. Trump tightened the screws. Iran downed a U.S. drone. You probably remember that. Trump did not strike back, but responded with more sanctions and more cyber attacks. Last September, a drone uh, fleet launched uh, Iranian proxies in Yemen. It devastated an oil facility in Saudi Arabia. Iran has slowly brought the region to a boil. First, it hit boats then drones, then the key infrastructure of a critical ally. And on December 27th, just a week or so ago, it went further. Members of the Hezbollah launched rockets at a U.S. installation near Kirkuk in Iraq. Four U.S. soldiers were wounded. An American contractor was killed. So Trump said, "Okay, we've had enough. We're doing the sanctions. Their economy is in shambles. Some are concerned. But Trump said, I will react. America will react. So now they're saying that this is going to turn into another Vietnam or Afghanistan, but I don't think it will. Trump has repeatedly said, and he said when he ordered that strike the other night, that he wants out of these protracted wars, not into them. The same people that are are accusing him of starting another war are criticizing him for pulling the, the the troops, our troops, out of Syria. And I know there's some questions about whether that was wisdom or not. But this guy is committed to getting out of wars, not into wars, I believe. So, when he ordered that strike the other day, he told the press, he said, I'm getting us out of war, not getting us into one. But it's furious. It's furious, the criticism. And it's kind of irrational. I'll tell you. It's amazing. Iraq, Iran made a statement this morning, actually last night, but it was in the news this morning. They say that they are willing to go back to the deal they made with Obama. They're trying to get cover from Obama, who's not even in office anymore. Trump called the nuclear deal that Obama did with Iraq the stupidest deal of all time. He withdrew from that accord back in May of 2018. Now Iraq is saying, last night and this morning, we want to go back under the covering of Obama's deal. And Trump says, we're not going there. A new deal or no deal. The press is posturing that, and what I saw this morning on the news, they're posturing that as, Iran wants peace and President Donald Trump won't accept their offers of a peace treaty. And that's just simply a lie. That isn't what's happening. They're taking a part of that. Yes, Iran is offering to go back to the Obama deal. Of course, why wouldn't they? Obama gave them $1.8 billion or something. I hear different amounts, but I mean, it was a ton of money. The money was in American cash, bills, U.S. dollars. And they were stacked and strapped on pallets. And this airplane flies in and unloads it in the middle of the night and gives it to them. Probably went into the pocket of two or three people. And then we gave them a deal that ensured they would have an atomic or nuclear weapon in 10 years. And that was a number of years ago. So we're almost at that mark. Of course they want to get back under the deal that Obama, I mean. Who wouldn't, given the circumstances? And yet, the left and the religious left are just shrieking over this. Nancy Pelosi, Senate Minority Leader, Chuck Schumer, others on the left are railing against this. They say he didn't give us in Congress an advance notice on what he was going to do. And they're trying to bring charges against him for doing that. Well, the reason he didn't do it is because he knew exactly what would happen. They would leak the information before our drone could take this guy out. Again, I, I mean a fifth grader can figure that out. You say, well, I don't think they would leak on that kind of thing. Well yes they will because we learned yesterday that two sources I'm quoting from the New York Times two sources. They're people that Obama had appointed in government, two sources that were in the briefing meetings, Trump gave a briefing to the elected officials in Congress after after the fact. Immediately, they were asked not to take this to the press. Immediately, two sources, who, had, as I said, has have ties to Obama, They'd been in the intelligent briefing. They immediately leaked the information from the brief- briefing to the New York Times with the motive to push the narrative that President Trump's drone strike was based on razor-thin evidence, that he made up the evidence. I don't know. Hollywood has lost it. They're screaming and cursing at the president of social media. It's unbelievable. Michael Moore, the guy, the movie maker, filmmaker, he sent an email yesterday to the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran. He notified his Twitter followers, he said, I have just sent the Ayatollah of Iran a personal appeal asking him not to respond to our assassination of his top general with violence of any kind, but rather let me and millions of Americans fix it peacefully. And this <coughs> this actress, this Rose McCowan, she wrote an email begging them not to kill us and asking them to forgive us for our atrocities. Boy, we live in a screwed up world. It's written we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. How does that work? Well, Second <laughs> Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And in Hebrews, cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You need patience, the Bible says. So let's hang in there. We'll keep talking, but remember God is in control. See you tomorrow.